Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I, I spoke with Joe last week. I can sit here and rant and rave about what I feel like is not a fair whistle. It's just not. With the 46 free throws, we're doing the same. We're attacking the rim. I'm getting explanations about um, we're taking too many jump shots, mid-range jump shots. Like it, we're playing a physical game. They had 27 free throws in the first half. They end up with 46. When do you see a game with 46 free throws for one team? Like that's that's just not that's not right. I don't care how you slice it. It's happening to us too much. Other teams are reaching. Other teams are hitting, and we're not getting the same call. And I'm tired of it. It's just it's old. 46 to 20 free throws with Devin Booker on our team. He gets 12. Josh gets. I mean that our bench had no free throws. That's just I'm over it. Been talking about the same thing for a while. Doesn't matter what team it is. Last game, Shea gets. I think he had 19 free throws. And it's old. I'm, I'm tired of talking about free throws. Our guys have to do their job. We, we understand that. But that, that's a huge disparity. 46 free throws. And I'll say it again, 46 to 20. That's it. That's all I got to say. Wow. Well, the microphone moving. It's always ruffling and rummaging through the microphone. Trying to do the mic drop, but it was like attached. Yeah. 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 You know, right there when you when you hear that somebody is mad. Boy, that is like a lot of Williams people are right mad. There. It, yeah. You know what? Uh, that's a great observation by you right there. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that are just mad. Where do you start, Luke? Where do you start when you hear Monty Williams? Well, look, we have, and everybody, has been talking about the free throw discrepancy over the last couple weeks and at certain points this season where it was just, it was absurdly lopsided. And for me, one of the frustrations, and I think we voiced it on the show, is we don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. And I don't want it to be in the Suns' heads. And I don't want the Suns to go into the playoffs thinking that the league has some sort of agenda against them. But what are you supposed to say after a game where one team shoots 46 free throws and the other team shoots 20? And it's not an isolated incident. I don't know. I don't even know what to say to them. Like if Devin Booker walked in here right now a couple of days ago, if you were having an honest conversation, I'd have been like, look, man, off the mic, like, don't let this get in your head. Right. Like, not like he would listen to us, but I'm just saying. But if he walked in here now, and was like, did you see that? I'd be like, I got nothing to say. You guys got screwed. I don't know if it's why you lost the game, but you are getting screwed. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with the first half, too, honestly. This free throw thing. And Basin Onions, you know this. If you've listened to me over the last couple of decades, you know exactly. I never blame officiating. Don't do it. Don't do it, especially because I have a player's mentality, and I'll always have a player's mentality. I'll be be in the ground with a player's mentality, basically. I uh, Listen, um... Never blame the officiating. Look at yourself first, always. That's what you have to do. As a player, you must. And if you're doing anything else, if you're doing anything other than looking at yourself, you're doing it the wrong way as a player. But at some point in time as well, 
If you're a coach, it's different. And sometimes you got to say it the way that it is, and sometimes you may have to take a fine for it, and sometimes you may get ejected for it. And at some point in time, I would imagine sooner as opposed to later, if this continues, Monty Williams is going to get ejected from a game. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, we'll get more into the free throw stuff, and it's obviously a big part of the frustration. But, you know, Wolf, last night's game was there's a multiplier on the frustration because it was to the Lakers. But was last night's game not exactly everything that everybody has been concerned about? Devin Booker has a good game. Nobody else really steps up. Chris Paul, you know, a little bit. But it's basically Booker and Chris Paul. It's not enough to win. The other team shoots, what? what is that, 130% more free throws than you? Um, you've now lost five of six. You are two games out of the play-in. Last night was just a continuation of everything that everybody was concerned or frustrated with, except it was amplified because it was the Lakers and the free throws were just so... I mean, the free, the league should be embarrassed. It, it is. It, it, you've got to be kidding me. This is a team without LeBron James. The Lakers shot 46 free throws without LeBron James. I was I was kind of losing it in the pre-show meeting, right? The pre-show prep meeting, of course, that we had right there. I was kind of losing it. I was getting all fired up because in the first half, just look at the first half. The Suns had the 10 free throw attempts in the first half. The Lakers had 27. They, again, without LeBron James, they had 27. D-Book took his, his first free throw attempt. With 44 seconds, I think, in the half? Uh It was his first free throw attempt. 44 seconds in the half. He had two free throws in the first half. Schroeder had six. Austin Reeves had five. Wendon Gabriel had five. (laughs) D'Angelo Russell had five. You know, what is going on? I would say this, and now, I mean, now it almost sounds ridiculous with the atmosphere and environment around this team. But for a long time, and I've said this before, I I felt like, okay, every every fan base feels like the officiating is out to get them. Every fan base. I'm sure Lakers fans feel like the officiating is out to get them. Uh, I don't know if you saw what happened in the Warriors-Mavericks game last night where where they just gave the Warriors the ball and didn't tell the Mavericks. And and I'm looking at the comments of the video right. and Warriors fans are like, well, we were getting fouled all game. Everybody thinks the officials are out to get them, but it's really hard to feel like this is fair when Wolf in the last five Suns losses, okay, the free throw differential, and bear in mind one of these games is the Golden State game where it was pretty even. The free throw differential, the Suns have shot 104, the opponents have shot 180. That's, That's over five crazy. games. That's incredible. Just over the last two in particular, the 82 free throw attempts in the last two games. 82 for the Suns' opponents. 38 more, almost 40 more than the Suns. Man, um, it, it, yeah, at some point in time, again, I never point to officials. I never point to referees and say that's the reason why we lost this game. I'm not even saying it's the reason the Suns lost last night's game. 
But I'm saying there's a problem. There is a problem. What is that problem right now? And at some point in time, Monty Williams has got to slide the shorts on and pull them up really tight and take an ejection. I don't He's know. He's got to protect his guys. I don't know how you can walk off the, the court as an as a NBA official. I mean, that is your job, right? To, to officiate the game fairly and not evenly. The free throws aren't going to be 20-20 every night. I get that. But I don't know how you can walk off the court of a game and be like, hey, uh, Scott, one team shot 46 and the other team shot 20. Yep, did my job. All right, what's next? Like, how can you feel good about the job you did? You did a horrible job. Whoever grades these officials, I, I can't wait for the tweet of like, wow, we uh, we really appreciate the concern. And we didn't realize one team was shooting 46 free throws to the other team's 20. And it keeps happening to one team. And honestly, what Monty Williams said in there, it, it, where he says the officials are telling him, hey, you're playing a mid-range game. Yeah. Are, are we trying to kill the mid-range game? Yeah. I mean, does the NBA just want free throws and threes? Because it's not only happening to the Suns. But it is happening exclusively to like the Suns, the Warriors. Kind of, they don't get the discrepancies like this, but they don't shoot the free throws the Suns do. Teams that are, are better shooters, we're going to punish them. Yeah. Listen, listen. Um, for me right now, the Suns. I, I want to say this, and I want to be fair. The the Suns are in trouble. I believe the Suns are in trouble. Um, but there's a lot of things the the Suns need to do to get better at. Like playing defense and moving their feet. Uh, we've been talking about this as well. They, they don't do as good a job as they once did, in my opinion, of moving their feet I think defensively. You're right. I, they, there they are just other issues. Don't. And you have to look at yourself first. I want to stress this over and over and over again because anybody that has listened to me, you know how I feel about this. You, you have to look at yourself first. Be personally accountable. Be responsible, Basin Onions. Look at yourself first in all things that you do, right? We'd all agree on that. And I hope the players are looking at themselves first. But, man, play some defense. But that's this, the start of the segment. You asked me where my frustration really begins. It's what you just said. Because I agree with you. The Suns are not going anywhere of consequence in the playoffs if they're caught up at the officiating. But how are you supposed to tell your players they can't be caught up with the officiating when it's that when it's that ridiculous? A hundred percent with you. Like I don't want to be sitting here in Game Three of a playoff series, being like, "Oh, the Suns—they really, you know, the officials." It was the Suns versus Denver and the officials last. I, I hate that. But I don't know how you're supposed to tell your players, "Hey, you need to be personally accountable." When they're looking at a box score where the other team shot forty-six free throws and they shot twenty. Yes. I, I, I mean, it's 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 an absolute mess, and I agree with you. The Suns are in trouble. It's not because of their record. It's because of of this very disturbing trend now. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall. Of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field for one night only on December 8th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. All right, we come back. Another potential landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins is gathering steam, and uh, I'm not sure this one makes the most sense, although maybe it's where he'll end up. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, still no uh, movement on DeAndre Hopkins, but it 
it does feel like things are uh, are ramping up a little bit. As does it really? It, it does. Yes. <laughs> does it really, Luke? Because I'm I'm hoping you're right. It's ramping up. Okay. Well, here's I'm going to throw two teams out there that uh, that seem to be getting some buzz over the last 24 hours, just since we ended the show yesterday. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll start with the one DeAndre Hopkins seemingly threw out there. On Instagram, where he threw out a picture of him, his car, with the caption, said he was a Buffalo soldier. Okay, Buffalo soldier. In other words, a bill. Well, I mean, he he has Bob Marley, like, on the story. Like, he's playing Bob sure. Marley music. So, I mean, right. but yes, I mean, <laughs> I think that's how most people took yeah, it, right? Of course. He and, did it for a reason. There's no and way. would be the reason. There's no way DeAndre Hopkins doesn't think people are going to look at that and be like, oh, I wonder if that means Buffalo, or the Buffalo Bills. And then you also have, um, you have Aaron Wilson tweeting out that uh, the... Trade market is now headlined by the Bills, per NFL sources. Five-time Pro Bowl selection has plenty of interest on trade market, but financial expectations might impact any further interest from the Chiefs and Ravens, not among bidders, per sources. Okay, there you go. You know, once again, you, you cannot convince me that there's not a ton of interest in DeAndre Hopkins. And the one common denominator of the teams that I think would be interested in DeAndre Hopkins are teams that are ready to win. As in win now, that's the only thing that really makes sense to me with De- with DeAndre Hopkins. You got a guy who's over 30 years old. We all understand what that means when you're over 30 in the National Football League, especially as a running back or a wide receiver. Um, the clock is ticking on you. And because of that and a large contract where you still have money and want a lot of money, in a new contract, it's going to hold a deal up. And that's what's happening. Buffalo makes sense. Buffalo doesn't have a ton of cap space. Um, and I don't know, maybe maybe if you're the Cardinals, you can, if they have somebody that you like, that they are going to have to move anyway to be able to make the deal, maybe you can get a player out of this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that, that seems sort of like a long shot. But if Buffalo has a player that they can't afford, and maybe you do want to, sure. maybe you get more than just a late pick. Because right. the pick doesn't seem to be looking all that good right now. And not only that, too, just go ahead and look at it from somebody else's perspective. The Buffalo Bills could also say, hey, listen, we're going to restructure some guys. That's what we're going to do. And that's what they probably should do because the Buffalo Bills are ready to win now. That's exactly the kind of team that I would think would go after DeAndre Hopkins, basically. It's not even close. Bill Barnwell, of course, from ESPN, Bill Barnwell has got the Carolina Panthers as his team. And he, he literally says he, it makes the most sense. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, he might be right. Bill might be right about this, and we'll see. But that, the only thing I see that makes sense to me is the Cardinals eating some of D Hop's contract, and after that. I disagree with everything else Bill Barnwell basically said. Well, yeah, you're referencing a story he had uh, yesterday talking about free agents. It's the best team fits for unsigned players, right? And he went through, I think it's about 10 players. But he, he gets to DeAndre Hopkins, who's obviously not a free agent, and he says he's going to sneak one trade in here. And he, he suggests uh, Hopkins to the Carolina Panthers. The deal that he throws out there, yeah. it's probably realistic. I don't love it. Uh, but I know I'm not going to love the deal. 
But it says traded to the Panthers. In this deal, the Panthers send the number ninety three pick to the Cardinals. Ninety three, which is I mean that's a late third rounder, and well, it's better than a hundred and four, but true. still ninety three. <laughs> that's true. Um, and it also says the Cardinals would pick up ten million dollars of Hopkins nineteen point five million dollar base salary in twenty twenty three. So, and maybe that's all you can get. There's a certain point where I I wouldn't trade him, but. Um, if he's not going to play here, you know, I, I I just I wonder if if the Cardinals are like, look, Hop, uh, we're getting nothing close to equal return for you. We're just going to keep you. I don't know how that would go over with him. You know yeah. what I mean? Right now, everything seems cordial and professional, but I I don't know how DeAndre Hopkins would feel if the Cardinals brought him back. Yeah, once again with Bill Barnwell in his deal right here, the only thing that makes sense to me is eating some of his contract. That that is about it. But I disagree with everything. the The Carolina Panthers they're going to have a rookie quarterback. Does it seem to make sense to you with a rookie quarterback that's trying to make his way in the NFL, you're going to go out there and you're going to get DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, That does not make any sense. It doesn't make sense to pay for him at this point in his career when Carolina's in a rebuild, too. I don't think with Hop, I don't think he'd be embracing that scenario at this point in his career. And if he's not embracing that scenario... You don't want DeAndre Hopkins in that locker room. No. You don't. Buffalo makes a lot more sense. A team like Buffalo makes a lot more sense. Carolina isn't ready to win now. And he needs to go to a team that is ready to win now. And the the Cardinals eating a large chunk of the contract, which I honestly think is a possibility that this will happen, but you get a third-round pick for him? That to me, no thank you. That's almost a fourth rounder. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth rounder. 104. Yeah. yeah. I know all about that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I know. I, this, this is, it doesn't make sense to me. Going to Buffalo, Kansas City, even New England, that makes sense to me. This, Carolina, with a rookie court? No, that, it doesn't. That trade that, that he's putting out there, and again, that might be what the market value is at this point, this, uh, I guess late in the game. I mean, we're now over a week into the new league year, whatever. Uh, but but that that's the sort of trade you make where it's like, we have to get this guy off our team. He's a huge problem. We just want to be done with him. And I don't feel like DeAndre Hopkins is that. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins is still one of the best receivers in the NFL. Like, to your point, uh, would you, would as a rookie quarterback, do you want DeAndre Hopkins on your team? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd like to be able to throw to a guy that's, that catches everything even when he's covered. But it doesn't make any sense for Carolina to go after a, a guy in win-now mode. And absolutely, why would DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, do you really think Carolina's going to win the Super Bowl this year? If you're if you want out of Arizona, if that's the case, because you want you're running out of time at, at the top of your game and you want a chance to win a Super Bowl, Carolina's not winning the Super Bowl, so it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, the Bills they have pick number fifty nine in the second round. I'll take that at this point. Yes, so I'll take that pick a month ago. Fifty nine. Oh, by the way, will you throw in a hundred and thirty as well? A month ago, I would have laughed, but now I'm... Or you know what? This is even better. Give us pick 139, which was from Arizona. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) give give it back. Give us back our pick, number 139, and of course, 59. And you got DeAndre Hopkins. You know, again, I know a lot of NFL experts would look at that and say, well, there's no way. There's just no way the Cardinals are getting that much, as if that's like some massive haul. If I'm Buffalo... 
You can have my second round pick. It probably wins me the Come Super on. Bowl. It does. It probably wins me the Super Bowl. Man, I, I I just don't know how you would say that. How anyone that is ready to win when you've got Josh Allen as your quarterback and you got that Buffalo Bills team. How in the world DeAndre Hopkins doesn't push you over the top in terms of saying, we're going to beat Kansas City. We're going to take them down. It also keeps him off their teams. Man, exactly. I, I don't know, man. That just doesn't seem... That doesn't seem right. This is where it's it's just it's getting it's getting a little ridiculous. Where if you're telling me Buffalo's like, well, I don't know, can we give up the 59th pick for DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, yeah, or you could just bow out in the second round of the playoffs every year and hold on to that second round pick. That's cool. It's like, kind of like my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Rosati, who was really fond of saying, "That's not right. <laughs> That's not right." We've officially got a Mrs. Rosati reference into the show. So well, now I'm just saying, it's not right. It's, it's not. It's, I agree with Mrs. Rosati. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right. The Suns lost again last night. That's five of six. How much trouble are they actually in? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A frustrating one for the Suns last night, losing to the Lakers of all teams. That gets the Lakers back into a play-in spot. Puts the Phoenix Suns now just, what, two games up on a play-in spot, which, um, you know, there's ten games left. They're still in the four seed. They're a half game up on the Clippers. They're one game up on Golden State. And then now the team you really need to watch is Minnesota in the seventh spot. They're two games up on them. Minnesota got Carl Anthony Towns back. They've won two in a row. I think it yeah. would be naive, Wolf, to say the Suns aren't in any trouble right now. Not that they can't you know, fight out of this, but right now on March 23rd, they're in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. No, I'm with you on this one, Luke. I really am. It, it dawned on me last night where you had to admit it. You had to say it. The Suns are in trouble, but not big trouble. <laughs> I was talking to you about this earlier. It's just it's a little bit different. Uh, remember when your mom would say, you're in big trouble, mister. And yeah, that was worse than just trouble. Wait until your dad gets home. Right. And we all knew what that meant. <laughs> remember that, brothers? We all knew what that meant. Um, they can still get this right, but the Suns undeniably don't look right right now. And they're in trouble. And I think at some point in time, you've got to admit the fact that you're in trouble, just not big trouble. You know, this this is going to be a moment now. It's almost inevitable. And I remember you and I talking about this, the, the game that they got Cam Johnson back and they played Brooklyn. This feels like forever ago. And Matt Ishbia was at the game. He, we didn't even own the, the team yet. And remember, we talked about that as a potential turning point. It ended up being a, a huge turning point in the season. That, that really started off their run that night. I think last night is it's going to be a point in this season we remember one way or the other when the season ends. It's either going to be the like, man, that that should have been a pretty strong indicator. For whatever reason, the officials don't love the the game that the Suns play. Um, you know, they they are right now just Devin Booker. It feels like, and then Chris Paul and you know the supporting cast. We should have known the Suns were in legit trouble. Or it's going to be a galvanizing moment of like that's when the Suns looked around and they're like, we're not. 
we got a lot we have to fix too. Yeah. And right. maybe maybe somewhere an NBA official's like, oh, one team shouldn't shoot 30 more free throws than the other. Yeah. yeah. You know, once again, though, you've got to take some personal responsibility in this. Always look at yourself. Be your harshest critic, my young crunk brothers. Whatever it is you're trying to do, whatever your hand finds to do, be your harshest critic so somebody else doesn't have to do it. Look at yourself first and take responsibility for all that you do. And that's what the Suns have to do as well. But watching the game last night, you know, play some defense. Please, play some defense, especially in the crunched, the crunch time moments last night, the last five minutes of the game. It just did not look good for the Phoenix Suns. But come up with a stop when you need it. And they're struggling with that, Luke. Yeah. Stop turning the ball over. There was a there was a good story up on ArizonaSports.com before yesterday's game, so it's still up there. Just talking about how the Suns, the the title of the story is what happened to the Phoenix Suns in the clutch this season, and you just hit on it right there. And and if you zero in on that, that was such a positive characteristic of this team last year. It was yes. such a strength. Oh, the game's close in the final five minutes. Well, you lose. Suns win. Yep. And this year it hasn't been that way. they do that, by the way? Uh, They locked it down on the defensive end of the floor in the fourth quarter, in particular, during crunch time. And and that's missing this year. And I know, I I, I get it. I know a lot of people are like, well, you traded away Mikel Bridges. What did you expect? Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Not having Kevin Durant, who is not the (laughs) defender Mikel is, but is a pretty good defender, is hurting too. Yes. But... It was more than just one guy playing defense last year. Yes. And for whatever reason, and I don't know, I mean, I hate to keep coming back to the officiating, but I don't know if, if that is affecting how the Suns defend, if it's affecting how the Suns think they can defend. Oh, or, I think it all is, Luke. I think it's all connected I, at I th- this point. It is. It all is. You're, you're a human being. You're not a computer chip. You're a human being, and that impacts, that mindset, that mentality impacts everything. But, you know, when I say play some defense, stop and think about this. The Lakers shot 56% from the floor. Would you say that's good? Yeah, that's tough to beat. (laughs) Again, without LeBron James, they shot 56% from the floor. They shot 47% from beyond the arc. (laughs) Would you say that's good? Yeah. Yes. So at some point in time, you've got to look at yourself and say, what kind of defense are we actually playing? And then stop turning the ball over. The last two games in particular, 31 turnovers by the Phoenix Suns. 31 in the last two. And those 31 turnovers led to 58 points off of those turnovers. Man, that's hard to win. That's when you're doing that, that's hard to win. Personal responsibility. Again, look at yourself. And finally, I would say stop reaching and move your feet, move your body. Stop reaching. Look at yourself with a a hard, calculated stare and be responsible for how you're playing. If I was a if I if I'm a leader inside that son's locker room right now, that's what I'm hammering. Look at yourself, go inside right now, every one of us, and evaluate what you're doing and how you're playing. 
Because again, I'm not saying it's not true about the free throws. I'm not saying well, you don't want you don't want the victim on, mentality though. But you do not want to ever accept that as a player because once you go down that road, Luke, it's you're done. done. Yeah. No, I mean, look, there's a life lesson in there. I'm sure as well. There are definitely times in your life where you feel like you, and you're probably right sometimes where you're you're getting a raw deal, and people around you probably see it, and it's just, and that's just life sometimes, and it's frustrating in sports, and we're seeing it play out in front of a lot of people, and I'm sure the Suns feel that way, and like. Like I said, it's hard to argue with that when the other two team shoots 46 free throws and you shoot 20. But that's one game. And now, it's not the only time it's happened, but right, it's one game right. and you're still the four seed. That game doesn't have to damage you the rest of the season. But if you start to go down that path of like, well, the league's out to get us. Well, this is inevitable. You know, if we if we play defense the way we did last year, they're going to call it on us. But then they're not going to call it on the other team on the, the next trip down the floor. Even though a lot of that seems to be true. Yes. They can't allow themselves to go down that path. So there's one thing you got to do. Again, as a player right here, I'm speaking from a player's mentality. You've got to hyper-focus on yourself. You've got to look at yourself. You've got to hyper-focus on yourself. I'm sure Monty Williams is telling his players this. Make sure what you're doing is everything you can possibly do to not hack somebody, unless you're DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> Unless you're DA, this does, I would literally say this does not apply to DeAndre Ayton. DA, now, you listen, step out DA, in the hallway for a second. DA, we don't need you to get five fouls in 18 minutes. We need you to use your brain, of course. But you know what? When a big guy gets the ball, go ahead and hack him once, <laughs> maybe twice, just to remind him you're here. Okay, anyway, don't get me sidetracked on that, but. You gotta, it starts with every player in that locker room taking responsibility for how he's playing. And then Monty Williams as well, at some point, he's gonna have to get ejected from a game. Yeah. And you got to be wave your arms, Monty. You, you got to be <laughs> strategic with that too, right? Because Monty Williams is—he's not somebody that's going to fire a bunch of expletives at an official. No. And I don't know if getting thrown out of their next game really does anything for them in a playoff spot, or maybe it's reached such a critical point now where it ha- it has to be the next game or one of the next two games. I, I think it's the important. next game where it's bad. I think it's important that your players know you you got their back too. You know, everybody um, pointed to D.A. in that game against Golden State, and they're like, how how does a guy play 35 minutes and not have any fouls? We really probably should have been marveling at it, that somebody (laughs) on the Suns played a whole game and didn't have any fouls. You know, I was so, uh, yeah, I was pretty much crushed. Well, we were all kind of like, what's going on? And did not hack somebody. Now I'm just mystified that he didn't get called for a foul just for being out there. Uh, Here's Devin Booker after the game. Well, it just goes to show you how hard it should be for any son, let a guy who's seven foot tall standing in the paint to play 35 minutes and not get called for a foul. Maybe, you maybe, didn't touch anybody. Maybe DA gets the superstar calls that uh, Devin Booker doesn't get. Maybe that's it. No. Probably not. Here's Booker after the game. Uh, yeah, it's not just him, man. This isn't, you know, the first time. Uh, you know, we're just trying to find ways to, to deal with it. Uh, everybody said playing it too much. You know, the game was on live TV, so you, know, you can go rewatch it and, and see where the frustration's coming from. That, that actually, last night, they could just play that, that card of, I don't need to talk about it. Everybody saw that game. Yeah. Because that game was so extreme. Incredible. And, it, and it's not the only time. I, uh, once again, when you're talking about guys that uh, don't get a ton of <laughs> all-star votes, 
when you're talking about guys that haven't been to all-star games, when you're talking about guys who are just trying to make their way as a professional basketball player who have three times the amount of free throws that Devin Booker has in a half, you, you have to seriously wonder what is going on. They are. We'll play more uh, more uh, yeah, cuts from Devin I, Booker. I, they I'm are wondering from Adam Silver's perspective. You, you have got to look at this and say what what is going on here because this is off the hook. You don't think Wenyan Gabriel's done as much in this league as That's Devin Booker? I, mean. I, I said Wenyan. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what what is Wenyan done? Do, uh, do you have his well, I can bio tell you, he, right he there shot in front free, of him right now? Five free throws last night. That does <laughs> in the first for half, Wenyan had five free throw attempts, and Book didn't get his first free throw attempt until there was 44 seconds left in the half. I mean, he's averaging nearly six points a game this year. Well, there you go. So look at that. He's Wenyan. He, and he's averaging, uh, let's see, about one free throw attempt a game, but not last night. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not last first night. half, he had five. Last night, he was James Harden with those trips to the line. <laughs> All right, uh, when we come back, could the Diamondbacks surprise some people this season? We're a week away from opening day, and one prominent MLB writer is on board. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are a week away from opening day, Wolf. I don't know if it snuck up on me or not. It's it's been a crazy sports month, but um, feels like spring training just started, doesn't it? It's just yes, it does. But I I I have not been this excited about the Arizona Diamondbacks in years. Yeah, like, I I I know everybody kind of feels that. But my expectation is in the danger zone right now. They haven't had us I've do just predictions calm yet. Down. They haven't had us do any uh, predictions yet for the website, but I'm, I'm trying to pull up what their exact over-under is uh, on FanDuel. I believe it's 76.5 for wins. Okay. I feel like they're going over that. So that's do the, I. That's probably a, a good number to have it at. Like I don't think that's a ridiculous number, but I, I just... I think their floor is a lot higher than it was going into last season, obviously, when they were coming in off, what, like 54 wins? So 53 wins. Um, Last year, they ended up winning, what, 74 games, I believe. I'm just thinking that off the top of my head. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to be encouraged about with this team. And, And it seems like it's not just locally now. You got Jeff Passan talking about how how much he likes yeah. the potential that this team has. That's you're getting that you're, made me feel a lot better when I heard Jeff Passan. Yeah, it did, Mason Ortiz, because I am right now. I I'm so encouraged about this team. Uh, and basically, the only reason why is the hope that I feel in my bones that that something special could happen. When I say special, I'm talking about just a winning season. Um, would that be special for the Diamondbacks if they were above 500, a winning season, 82 games? <laughs> yeah. Just being in it. I mean, 82 I games keeps you in the conversation now to the end of the year. You're right. It does keep you in the conversation. But, um, you know, there's hope is not something base and onions you want to build on in terms of winning games, right? Like, you don't want to hope your way through a season. Um, yes, you want to look at the roster going into a season and on paper say, boy, this is, this looks good. But there's so many Diamondbacks that are question marks 
that could turn into a period, which is bad, or turn into an exclamation point, which is good. And that's the hope that I'm feeling right now that some of these question marks are going to turn into exclamation points. And guess what? Some of the biggest question marks, it's still Corbin Carroll. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to get around that. They just paid him over $100 million. And yet at the same time, he's still a question mark. Now, is that going to turn into an exclamation point or a period? We're all hoping that it's going to turn into an exclamation uh, look, point. And we have a lot of good reason to hope. It's uh, it's spring training, but he is hitting 361 in the spring. So in case you thought you know that maybe he was going to have a hard time in last year, wasn't it? You're not paying a guy you know eight years, $111 million for what he does in spring training. But to me, that's one of the question marks where... It, there's different kinds of question marks, right? With Corbin Carroll, it's, hey, how good can this guy be? Right. There are other question marks in other sports with other teams where you're like, is this guy done? Uh, you know, did, was this guy overrated? Does this guy, there's generally a question mark is a bad thing, or at least indicates or implies a bad thing when you're talking about sports. But when you're yeah. talking about a guy with upside, it's like, just how good can this guy be? Yeah, no, you're right about that, Luke. Yet at the same time, I cannot tell you how many times a guy was going to change the way we played football. Yeah. How many times I've seen a guy that came in that was loaded with talent, Luke, not actually go out and live up to anywhere close to that talent. But let me let me put it this way. Maybe this, this is a little clearer. Okay. Here's two question marks on the D-backs, okay? You tell me which one you feel about or feel better about. The question marks surrounding Corbin Carroll or the question marks surrounding the bullpen? Corbin Carroll. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because with Corbin Carroll, it's like, hey, maybe this guy's better than we think. With yes. the bullpen, it's like... But you know what? Again, eh. I'm thinking about it from Corbin Carroll's perspective right now. Until you do it, you haven't done jack. No, but until you do it, you haven't done jack. We saw this team win 74 games last year with him playing in 32 of them. Like Corbin Carroll doesn't have to be an all-star this year for this team to hover around 500. He just has to continue to progress. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying, again, I, I'm, I'm so filled with hope because of these young guys, young arms as well, just really encouraged by this young team overall. And so much of it is predicated on hope. I hope that they're going to be the player that we all think they're going to be. And if they do, and I've got that expectation, I think, for good measure. When you look at Corbin Carroll, do you think the Diamondbacks are just going to hand him the money that they did if they really didn't believe he was going to be that type of person that was going to be able to absorb that, get on top of it, and say, I'm going to try even harder now. Um, Yeah, no, I think they know. That's one of the reasons why I, my expectation for Gorbin Girl is so high. But I also know until you do it, you haven't done jack. Yeah, no, it's, it's obviously true. I think the, the part that's encouraging is they have a few players like that. And maybe Jake McCarthy doesn't have the the extreme upside that Corbin Carroll does. Maybe Alec Thomas doesn't. But you're starting to add up Gabriel Moreno. Like, you're starting to add up player after yes. player that <laughs> these guys are all trending in the right, right direction. And, so, and, and you know, look, I know the pitching staff, and, and specifically the, the, the bullpen is, is a question right now. And, you know, you don't know who the fifth starter really is. And how much do you trust Madison Bumgarner and Zach Davies if you're going to talk about through the lens of can you compete for a playoff spot? But you do have a guy that has 
seemingly Cy Young upside at the top of your rotation in Zach Gallen, too. Yes. It's just, if, if you're comparing the Diamondbacks to the Dodgers, okay, <laughs> there's a reason that the Dodgers win 100-plus games every year. If you're comparing the Diamondbacks to last year's Diamondbacks or the year before's Diamondbacks, I see progress. Progress over progress, and to me, that, that should put them up around 80 you know, 82 wins. Yeah, you got any other sign you want to fire off right there? Well, we shouldn't asking. be surprised that Jeff Passan likes the team. And let me just bring up the story, too, because they were going through every team, right? And he goes to the D-backs and says the season hinges on Cattell Marte. He says uh, he likes the over 76 and a half wins. He says Corbin Carroll's the sort of guy that can win you your fantasy league. And then he mentions Jordan Lawler, uh, who's obviously the the D-backs' next really big hitting prospect, next in line to come up and says you might see him at some point this year. Earlier this month, it would be cool. (laughs) It would be so cool. Because he plays a position that's not outfield. You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited about Drew Jones, but he's an outfielder. Uh, But we probably shouldn't be shocked that Jeff Passan is writing about the D-backs so glowingly because he was on with Bickley and Murata earlier this month and said this. I like this team a lot. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe I'm deluded. Maybe I'm a year early. Maybe it's going to take a full Jordan Lawler season and uh, a full season from Brandon Fott and Brian Nelson and Dre Jameson getting used to what the big leagues are like Mm -hmm. before they really turn into the guys that the Diamondbacks expect them to. But uh, I'll say this. I think the future is really bright and the present is not far behind. Didn't feel that way a year ago. Wow. And, you know, it's just that's how I feel, too. Uh, I feel really, really, like, hopeful that maybe lightning could strike for the Diamondbacks this year. That maybe somehow, some way, talent trumps experience. Talent trumps experience. And as I say that, <laughs> I, I, I realize that that happens often. It happens where a guy is so talented, he doesn't really need to go through the ups and downs of a season to totally tap into all of that. He just got the talent to go out and get it done. But so much of the time when you're talking about a human being, you've got to go through the process of becoming good yeah. for the most part. And not just, hey, look, everybody, I'm so wildly talented. Look, I'm, I'm great. Good. I'm better than everybody else around me, right? <laughs> you, you know, that that just doesn't happen all the time unless you're Wayne Gretzky. It doesn't happen. So um, most people have to ease their way into greatness through experience. I'm hoping that somehow, some way, that's not going to apply to the Diamondbacks. That wow. the talent is just going to outshine. I mean, I think it's, it's it's or lack thereof. It's the next logical step is to get up there around 80 wins. I mean, this is I, I kind of laugh and or bristle when people just rip Valley sports fans like, oh, you know, they just they only care about winners. Like, okay, that's every city, right? I mean, that's that's not that's not indigenous to to just Phoenix and. Part of that is because, like, look at the D-backs. There is excitement around this team right now. They won 74 games last year. That's not a team that, that was anywhere near the playoffs. But they are doing it the right way where you can get your fan base to buy into a rebuild when you give them legitimate things to look at and invest in. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, your team lost 88 games last year, but you're invested now because of Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas and Jake McCarthy and maybe not Gabriel Marino yet, but he's supposed to be that sort of player. Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen, Brandon Fott, if you're really into the prospects, Jordan Brandon Lawler. Fott. 
Drew Joe. I mean, there are reasons. It's not just like, well, we'll talk to you again next year. And they may not make the playoffs this year. Most people are picking against them to do it. And I'm not even saying they are. But I do think they have the pieces to be in the conversation in September. And that, that to me, is how you do a rebuild. You've got your fans are invested. And that's credit to D-backs fans, too, because they are invested in a team that won 74 games. And the best thing is about this version of the Diamondbacks, this is sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> for for the near future, of course. And if, in fact, they're going to go about it this way, where they're building that farm, they got one of the best farms in all of baseball. This is sustainable. Hey, you know for sure Corbin Carroll's not going to be on the Yankees or the Dodgers for at least eight years. Step one. Oh, taste it. Uh, All right, we come back. Back to basketball. How much is that free throw differential impacting the Phoenix Suns mentality? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.